on this episode of AV Week, directing design decisions through data, securing AV devices, and looking at the very first Dante AV devices that have been released. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 515, recorded Thursday, July 1st, 2021. Software first. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Xtron, industry-leading technology backed by world-class support. And by Vadio, a leading manufacturer of professional PTZ cameras, Pro-AV solutions, and UCC integration systems. And by Sennheiser. For over 75 years, Sennheiser has been a leader in pro audio and is now offering a wide variety of touchless and traditional audio solutions for both corporate and educational campus-wide audio. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, we're recording this right before the, the U.S. celebrates 4th of July, so I figured I'd give myself a vacation today. Uh, we have three talkers. So my name is Tim, and the rest of these folks are going to take it from here. Uh, first and foremost, from Parts Unknown, Dawn Mead. Welcome, ma'am. Thanks so much for having me, as usual, Tim. We say Parts Unknown because technically Dawn is an is a is a technology manager, uh, AV technology manager, and she works for a company that we can't say who they work for. I'm in an undisclosed location in the greater Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. That, see, that was even closer than I was going to do. I was just going to do east on, on the east coast. You know, the DMV, got to represent. <laughs> there we go. Um, well, basically her neighbor, uh, Nyree Hollingsworth. Uh, Nyree, can we say where you, where you work? Sure. I work for the MITRE Corporation. All right. There you go. Yeah. Uh, also in the, the Maryland, Virginia, um, Washington, D.C. area. Um, and uh, with us from the western por- portion of the United States, uh, my good friend Christy Mitchell from Surgex. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, welcome. I mean, not welcome to you, but w- hello, everyone. <laughs> How are you? We say we say the western part of the of the U.S. Christy is uh, is out of Denver, uh, which I think right now you're in California, though, so you're way west. Actually, I'm in Arizona. California's next. Um, just being in person and seeing people again is fantastic. It feels like I'm actually doing my job. I know it's crazy. <laughs> what a miracle. We- we uh we're 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 getting ready we're actually already we're we're starting to prep for infocom certainly uh but also uh, really in, in earnest cedia uh we'll be going to cedia the uh, first second and third of september uh actually you can you can join us if you'd like uh, in indianapolis we are doing a party uh, an event with uh the imcca poly our buddy mr Dan, uh, david danto and chris netto is actually going to get out of new jersey um, according to Mr. Neto, he says that's his first uh, trip uh, after the pandemic. So that'll be, wow. that'll be kind of exciting. So if you're not doing anything the first week of September and you want to go over to Indy, uh, come join us. So, yeah, hang out. Uh, first story comes to us from our friends over at SCN and AV Network. The very first Dante AV products are available uh, from both Boland Technology and Patent Electronics. They've released Dante AV over IP products uh, that can run on a one gig network. This is a year and a half after Audinate first unveiled the chip design that was roughly uh, the ISC 2020 uh, when, when Dante uh, unveiled that. 
Bolin has uh, the Dante AVPTZ cameras. Those start at roughly $2,500 MSRP. Patton uh, has also released Dante AV encoders and decoders. Couldn't find an MSRP on, on their website or any of the, uh, of the documentation. Um, Don, we're going to start with you on this. We're looking at, at AV over IP in general. How viable is, is that technology overarching, right? The overarching uh, AV over IP as we kind of head back to work and we start looking at more um, hybrid systems and we start looking at more uh, converting you know, um, huddle spaces into, into mini hoteling spaces. AV over IP, um, how viable is that still in, in the office? So I have to temper my answer by saying kind of, because it depends what your office is or who you're working for. Um, in the vast majority of the corporate world, if you take at least very minimal precautions, you know, there shouldn't be a massive issue with putting your AV over the IP network, with working with the IT team to get your signals where they need to be. Um, for certain verticals, uh, especially here in this particular part of the country, <laughs> there is a lot more security required before you can put anything on the network, whether it's Dante, whether it's uh, TSN, whether it's whatever, whatever flavor of AV over IP you're looking at, um, it's got to go through a huge vetting process. And even then, 99% of the time, at least in my company, you have to build a separate AV IP network sort of parallel to the company's network. So uh, for the vast majority of those listening, for home theater, for regular corporate, nonprofit, you know, your general verticals, absolutely. AV over IP is fantastic. Gives you distance, gives you easier connectivity. People understand, oh, it looks like a, a network wire. It's going to make the signal go. It's not all these wacky AV specific standards. Um, but for some verticals, um, Banks, you know, anything with money, casinos, uh, military, defense, aerospace, um, and even possibly some of the hospital verticals with the HIPAA requirements and such. All right. One of those, uh, one of those unique um, connectors uh, is our buddy, Mr. Mark Coxon's favorite in the world, HDMI. Uh, so, yeah, um, Nairi, when it comes to this, you know, the, we, Dante has unveiled this. this. is a very interesting move by them, their, their part. We, we thought so a year and a half ago, two years ago now. Um, where does where does Dante fit in this? Right, we we've we've watched for years, and and and, and our, our good friends at, at AV um, uh, AVB, God love them, they're still trying. But you've got uh, you've got the folks uh, from from Crestron to Extron, both of which are, are sponsors of Aviation. You've got um, you know the folks at at, at Biamp uh, who does use AVB. You've got SDVOE. You've got HG uh, base T that that has some sort of uh, they don't quite have the over the network network, but they've got you know point to point. Dante comes into this, you know, one would could argue rather late, but where do they fit in this in this field? Well, I mean, so yeah, like you said, you take the alphabet soup, you pick one, that's the one you use in your organization. Um, I, I really don't recommend mixing and matching in that regard. Uh, but definitely once you make that choice, you kind of, you know, you're stuck with them for at least that next product generation um, as it comes out. So be that as it may, um, I think there is a place for it. Um, it's interesting because Dante doesn't necessarily make products. So, you know, having the technology licensed and other products, we'll see how that fleshes out. 
Um, obviously, we're seeing the Dante audio piece being adopted by just about everyone, you know, that, that has a has skin in that game. The video piece is going to be a little bit more interesting um, where it comes to play. And, you know, going back to where what Don was was discussing, you know, I think as we look at how offices are built, structured, remodeled, so to speak, to deal with our next normal, as as people in my organization like to say, um, space is going to be at a premium. And to the extent that we can consolidate some of this equipment in smaller spaces and use uh, category cables to distribute them throughout the facility, I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the, the advantage and the bang for the buck in these technologies, because otherwise it's just, you know, a, a regular XLR cable can do just the same thing in that same room. But obviously, if you wanted to cross some distance, you got to do some encoding, decoding and, and, and other things with it. Yeah. So I think that's where it's going to uh, really see itself kind of be a uh, an advantage in the marketplace by allowing integrators to generate some space savings as they build, you know, I would say more sophisticated, less of more sophisticated solutions for, for certain organizations. Nairi, you mentioned that you don't necessarily want to mix and match the alphabet soups, and that certainly is true. That is the argument, though, that SDVOE would make, is the fact that, you know what, we're, we're a standard. We can, argue, we can argue about the fact that they're a privately held company and, and standards like that. Same thing with, with, with HD-based T. There's the fact, and, and, and Audinate is as well. I, I don't want to make any, any, any judgments there. Audinate is as well. They're a privately held corporation based in Australia. Um. Does the fact, though, that, that you, you mentioned the fact that Dante is pretty much accepted by darn near every audio manufacturer, does that give the mix and match and, and Dante an advantage then over other alphabet soups that are that are that are manufacturer specific? Absolutely, because my biggest uh, criteria when assessing which product that I'm going to choose is how does it manage the AV sync? You know, and so to the extent that they have them both in the same place, obviously that makes life a lot easier. Um, and so those, you know, a, as you get closer, because, you know, the way that I look at this, a lot of these changes are very much on the margins. They're, they're, there's not a whole lot of difference between the different technologies in terms of how they do it and what they're they're actually doing behind the scenes. So it's. How much how much bandwidth are you going to be consuming on the network? How are you going to be managing AV sync? And can you deliver across the distances that you claim that you are able to deliver across? And, you know, those are the evaluation criteria. Those that meet those uh, criteria are, are products that I'm going to buy. Those that don't, you know, we'll be looking for others to, to kind of outfit our solutions. All right. Christy, as you're talking to, to, to you know, dealers and, 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 you know, and their customers as well, where do you see this headed? Is this... I mentioned the fact that, that Dante is entering a, a rather crowded field. I, I guess I'm going to ask a really a direct question here is where do you see kind of this overarching, you know, battle going? Are we going to see more and more folks or is this kind of like the, the crest here before some folks are going to start, you know, falling by the wayside when it comes to market share and technology? Every time that I go in for a meeting, I ask this question, um, actually, because we're just, we're reaching an impasse where it, mm. where AV and IT are colliding. And a lot would argue that AT, AV will fall up under IT, but IT doesn't, they just, they're, they're great, but they, they don't know AV. So we're two separate fields kind of being pushed into one direction. So it's an interesting, an interesting topic to talk about AV over IP because that's just one piece of a, a bigger, a bigger picture. 
And when I talk to the guys about this, guys and gals uh, about this, they say, look, this is what it is. Eventually, this is going to be our uh, new normal, right? Um, I think that Dante's got a great play. I think that, uh, you know, in a in a an alphabet soup full of options, what's one more? <laughs> and, <laughs> and on top of that, um, just speaking from a manufacturer perspective, we've just launched a product that is uh, that is I, that has IP connectivity. And to echo Don's point about where where those products align, yes, we're going to have some issues in healthcare and anywhere with a lot of requirements, enterprise banks, financial institutions. But if we if we get it right with the with the security with the encryption with eight, so for example squid has 802.1x which is the highest level of security protection that you can have for uh, a, a commodity a hardware product um, if we get that right and like you said like don said if we're hanging these things on a separate av network everybody wins it's good for everybody and from the perspective of having things on the network we're able to log into those devices and remotely monitor them so if we've got eyes where we where remotely, where we don't have to be there rolling a truck, we can be so much more proactive in solving problems, even before facilities managers even see them. So, um, I think it's a I think it's a positive a positive play, you know, just in general, and one more step closer to what this whole new world's going to look like with AV and IT. Yeah, absolutely, and I want you guys to, to notice the fact that <clears throat> that Christy works for a power company, right? An electrical company, yeah. elect electricity. They have products on the network, right? So, so they, 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 everybody's plugs. got something. Yeah. I have plugs on the network. <laughs> if we can do it, then anybody can do it. Well, don't, don't, don't sell yourself short, you know, <laughs> not just that. Uh, next story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine across the pond, hopefully sometime this year, uh, I might be heading over there. Uh, the London School, uh, the London Business School, rather, uh, leveraged utility software, our friends, uh, Mr. Frank Pelkoffer, um, as well as AV Hardware and Zoom to give instructors more flexibility when teaching hybrid classes over this past year. AV engineers at the London Business School um, created macros to launch Zoom instances. Uh, it initiated and, and changed signal flows between multiple sources uh, and also gave data analytics on devices used. The school was able to take previously installed hardware and augment its use with software customization. Nairi, that's where I want to start here. How much more AV will be migrating toward a software, software first solution? And I'm reminded not only Utelogy, which Dawn has been a part of darn near since the very beginning uh, with Utelogy. Uh, last year, we were introduced to Sure Intellimix, which is a software-based uh, DSP system, lives, you know, uh, in, in software. How much more are we going to see this this migrating to, towards a, a software-based, software-first solution? Um, I think at a certain point, I was I would call it, you know, over the next five years, so we can do the heat check in five years from now, see if I was right. Um, all of it will be software based. It just totally makes a lot of sense. And I give you the example of what we are experiencing right now with Zoom basically taking over video conferencing. You know, software based solution that 10 years ago, I would have told you you were absolutely out of your mind if you thought anybody was going to buy it because it wasn't going to work. That's what I would have told you 10 years ago. And now they have taken over the world. You know, they've, you know, Cisco 
missed the boat. You know, they, they, they gave it away. And, and, you know, now those people, those former Cisco people are eating their lunch. Um, that is but one example of, you know, the things that we do going to a more software first uh, ecosystem. Um, you'll, you, you've seen it there. You're going to see, you're seeing it with the DSPs and things of that nature. Um, you're going to see it with the, uh, audio, uh, the video media processors and things of that nature, because the economics are driving it in that direction. It's just easier to buy a commodity piece of hardware. Um, cause it's all software under the hood anyway. It's just that certain manufacturers have certain proprietary chipsets and things that, you know, drive their systems. Well, that even in and of itself is, is becoming less and less of a uh, specialized uh, use case. So, you know, at the end of the day, when it's cheaper for them to manufacture it in a software only way, guess which way the manufacturers are going to go. And and that's where I see all of this stuff going, you know, microphones and actual cameras and things like that. Those are things that just really have to be in that little form factor, but even in cameras, you know, a lot of the cameras that I'm evaluating, I want to see how they do uh, image stitching and dynamic uh, 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 switching and pan, pan tilt zoom within that particular within the the fixed structure of that camera, so that you can get more personalized experiences in the conference rooms. You know, without seeing a pan tilt zoom camera doing it physically, but logically, you know, that camera is panning and tilting and, and focusing on different participants. So the more and more things get smarter in that direction, um, you know, is that's just going to be the way that it goes. Yeah, what, one of the things that, that I was talking about, I, I've seen a number of these. I'm not going to call out the manufacturer, but but you're looking at 4K and 8K sensors. That does exactly what he's talking about, right? Where it will it will zoom in on a participant, but because the sensor is so big, you can still zoom in to 1080, yep. right? Because the the canvas is 4K, yep. right? The the canvas is 8K. So absolutely, Christy. When we look at, at stuff like this, and we look at at this software and also network based um, uh, architecture, and I guess this is, a, this is our network show today. But you know, w what sort of security concerns do we look at? You know, I mean, we, we, you know, Christy mentioned the fact that, that the squid is is on the network, it's a network device. So certainly, the folks at Surgex is going to start start looking at and in, in helping you know their clients and and you know the technology managers you know manage the security. What sort of security concerns do do folks need to start looking at when it comes to not just remote you know uh, management, but also some of this data analytics and, and data management um, software. I think it's it, you've we've all seen the news recently. I mean, how many times in a, in a week will we pop up and see something's been hacked, especially, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic, every day, <laughs> all trying to uh, just we are all trying to adjust to doing everything over the over the phone or on Zoom. And how many times did we hear stories about somebody hacking into somebody's family call? I mean, the the nature of where we are versus where we are supposed to be, we have not caught up security-wise with the needs that we now have in what how, how we use technology. And, and that's just a fact. I mean, sometimes things move faster and then we have to adjust and, and, and you know, smooth out that, what that picture looks like. But at the end of the day, I think that the most important thing for us to do as step one is not really look at what the concerns are. We know that they're there, they're out there, but how are we going to attack that that problem and create a solution? So to me, it would be, let's look at the structure where we were talking, this is, like you said, this is the AVIP show. Um, inevitably, we're gonna all smash together. So if that's the case, 
we maybe we need to look at what the structure is of our technology uh, solutions, either by an end user or, or a trusted partner, like an integrator, and hire specifically for that role somebody that has the experience in security and cybersecurity. Maybe we have a cybersecurity person on staff that will be there that can log in, remotely manage whatever they need to do in order to protect these systems, because it's going to get to a point where all of the systems that we have now, and we saw this, every grandmas were using Zoom. So we're going to have a, we're going to get to a point where we need to have somebody that's going to be able to manage all of these users and all these systems, whatever the software platform is. And again, you know, Surgex has a software platform, you know, a receptacle, a commodity. So if, if a commodity that you plug into the wall is hanging on the network, then we've got a lot of equipment out there that we're going to need to, to make sure because I don't want it to be me. I don't want it to be my equipment when something happens. You know, so and we, we don't want to be all play, pointing the finger because that doesn't do any good. We need to be able to figure out what it is, where it happened, and fix the problem immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Dawn, I mentioned the fact that you've you've been friends with the folks at Utology. I, I want to say since the beginning, but I could be off by a, a you know a month or two. Um, take a look at, at at some of the things, and, and you can certainly talk about Utology in general. But but one of the things that that uh, I want you to to talk about for a second is their data analytics. And the first person I ever met that you really utilized this software, not Utology, but the ability to, to tell room usage uh, was our buddy Scott Tyner up in Bates College in, in, in uh, Maine. He was able to tell uh, how many times an instructor pushed the VCR button at his campus. Now understand how long I've known Scott Tyner, right? It's about 10, 15 years, but at the time he, he was trying to, to illustrate the fact that Professors didn't use the VCR, so please, can we get rid of them, right? That was the whole idea here. <laughs> Fast forward 10, 15 years, folks are, are using these for, for design decisions. When are we going to start seeing colleges, universities, Fortune 100 companies use this data for, 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 for design considerations and designs uh, decisions? I mean, the smart ones already are. The ones that were forward thinking and that have already implemented these vast monitoring and, and net, uh, network based, um, you know, control or, or management systems, they're already doing that. Um, and, and that's one of the beautiful things about it. That goes back to what Nairi was saying. You know, this is where we're going to see the value in all of this it is in making smart decisions, in getting better return on investment on our capital and our technology monies within the corporation. If we can demonstrate that of the 100 conference rooms I have to put in, only two of them are using a visual presenter. Sorry to my friends at Wolf Vision or whatever. But, you know, we're not going to put them in every single design the way we used to. We're going to say, all right, we're going to have two or three rooms that have them. When you need to use one, schedule one of those rooms. We're not going to worry about it for the others. We have that capability, but it's not a universal capability. It's just there and it's available. And it really helps narrow down what is actually used, what is actually worth our money over the long term, and, and what, you know, maybe isn't. And I know uh, wearing the old integrator hat, it kind of hurts to say, you know, sometimes it isn't worth it. We don't need to buy that, guys. You know, you're, you're overselling us or you're selling us 10 years ago. You know, and, and, and that's the case. We, there, every, there is still a use for like almost every product in the AV world. I will say there is at least 
one use case, one user, one room somewhere that needs almost every product we sell, but it's not everybody. And if you're not yeah. selling to that guy, you know, the, 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 your customers are wasting their money. So by, by utilizing things like the Utelogy, like the other management systems and, and, and so, uh, software solutions out there, you really are demonstrating the value of your AV team and your AV designers to your corporate structure. Um, you know, everybody always short staffs the AV team. This is where you prove your worth. You save them $300,000 per site on equipment that they didn't need, or you make their, their, their budget dollars go much further, they're going to pay attention. They're going to notice you. They're going to, you know, keep using you and they're going to not fire you and you might get bonuses out of it, you know? So this is the kind of thing you want to look at. Um, if I could change the subject slightly back to what Christy said on security, I agree with 99.8% of everything you said. The one thing I don't agree with is you said, and now all of a sudden we have to be aware of security. I would argue you're too late if you're just starting to look at security. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, uh, Tim. Absolutely. Tim, how long ago was that cybersecurity panel you came here to the DC area and moderated that I was on? Was that five years ago, 10 years ago? It was about that five years yeah. ago. Yeah, it was so 2015, 2016. Five years ago, we were talking about this topic yeah. of getting onto the network using, you know, security, cybersecurity, that sort of thing against hacking. And five years ago, it was old news that all those millions of credit card numbers were stolen from Target because of a 232 port on an HVAC system. Is that what it was? Five years ago. Yeah, that's what it was. They hacked into the network by a smart HVAC system that had a 232 port that nobody thought to secure. And they were able to, you know... Black hat hackers are way smarter than you and I, and it probably most of us watching this. That's what's scary. That's what's scary. They can get in through a 232 port on a furnace or AC unit and get their way through the network and steal millions of credit card numbers. You know, five years ago, it was old news that certain ceiling speakers in our industry were being used in hacks. Five years ago, I'm pretty sure, yeah, it's more than five years ago. Uh, we were seeing President Obama's conference room table on the front page of newspapers because a certain manufacturer had a backdoor password. It hadn't been hacked, thankfully, but it was hackable because it was a known backdoor password that all of us AV integrators knew about. But that is a massive security concern. So, you know, it's 2021, folks. I mean, the Zoom bombing and all of the last minute, oh, my God, this is just making it all of our customers aware of it. This is finally it's opening their eyes. It's just exacerbating an already terrible situation. Right. And this is stuff that we should have, as integrators, as manufacturers, as end users within this field, we should have been taken care of years ago. Because now the general public is saying, oh, crap, my kid got Zoom bombed and somebody got in there. And why isn't there security <laughs> on this? You know, and if, if every five-year-old's mom is concerned about this, you know your CEOs are concerned about it. So... Security, you should already have cybersecurity on staff. If you don't, go hire them. So we will, I, will, I will leave you uh, with this warm and fuzzy thought. Um, Mitchell, I'm going to have you put this, this link on, on this episode's page. I want you guys to go to Shodan.io, and this is, I, I use this as a presentation that Don was, was mentioning, uh, and Nairi is, is shaking his head yes. Uh, Shodan.io 
and I want you to type in your favorite AV manufacturer in that search. And I want you to discover how many publicly accessible IP addresses are associated with that manufacturer. Or better yet, I want you to type in your works website and see if there's any publicly accessible IP addresses. Um, I've done this a couple different times with a number of manufacturers. Um, and let's just say that I accessed some uh, wireless um, presentation devices that I probably shouldn't have at the time. It was five, uh -oh. six years ago. I'm certain that the statute of limitation has expired and I am not sitting in the state in which I did that in. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. I was so. just watching the look of panic on Christy's face like, oh my God, we got to go to the company website real quick. I, I, I was like, I was trying, can, I can't hide it and have the emotions on my face. No, but that's, that's real talk. I mean, Don't play poker, you know, girl. It's, so here's how I look at these things because yes, we need to build better mousetraps. <clears throat> The mice are going to continue to get smart and continue to how to, to find that cheese. Um, and so you, you got to do some baseline due diligence at this stage of the game. It's really a drill to keep your lawyers happy, you know, so that when your devices are hacked, you know, you can say that you did everything that you tried to do. And these people just outsmarted you. Um, but to do nothing that is definitely opening you up for a world of liability that you honestly don't don't want to deal with. I mean, GDPR. Oh, my God. You, I don't know a company in the world that wants to wants to be uh, uh, found uh, in violation of that. So, you know, to the extent that you can protect your customers data um, and, and ensure that they have pleasurable experiences, you obviously you have to balance that with the functionality of the device and application. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to do, do the dance to keep your lawyers happy. That's the way I look at it. I will, um, I will say this and I'll say this until I retire doing this. Uh, Teresa Payton is one of my favorite security experts in the world. She was the very first CIO or CTO. I don't remember which one of uh, the white house under Bush two and, uh, interviewed her once. And she said, it's not a question of if it's a question of when someone tries to hack mm -hmm. you. So. Yep. Uh, thank you all so much. Nairi, thanks, buddy. Uh, we finally got him on. Uh, the last time Nairi was on, uh, <laughs> they hijacked him or hijacked him Bradford. for our episode 500. Well, I was, like, Brad, I was like, did he get Bradford hacked? Ben. Bradford Ben got hacked. Yes, <laughs> Bradford Ben hacked this show for episode 500. So I told him I'd have him back on. Uh, so thank you. So thank you, sir. How do, how do people get a hold of you, sir? Sure, you can find me on LinkedIn, Nairi Hollingsworth, first name, last name, also on Twitter, Nairi H. And I will also be teaching at Infocom this year. So please uh, check out my class, uh, Navigating Difficult Customer Conversations. Um, it's really going to be a role play of, of some different customer interactions. And hopefully we have a group full of people that have had some similar experiences and we can share a little bit of knowledge and hopefully make each other better. Yeah, absolutely. You can register for that now, uh, the uh, 27th through the 29th of October. Uh, so are, are you doing it be during the during the week or, or beforehand? I'm doing it during the week. Um, okay, so can't remember off the top of my head which day, but I'm doing it. No, that's okay. I just want to make sure that I didn't push people, you know, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. in case you were doing it. Like, you're supposed to Tuesday. know this. Nairi's a little busy. Sorry. <laughs> Making sure they don't get hacked. See? That's right. All right, exactly. Uh, Ms. Mead, thank you, ma'am, as always. Uh, how do people connect with you? Well, as we said at the top of the show, you can't find me at work, but you can certainly reach me on LinkedIn and some of the social medias at Dawn Mead, M-E-A-D-E, -E, with an E like the fort. 
Uh, if you don't find me there, you can find me on all the other socials at AV Dawn. And you can find me here if you go back through the archives of AV Week. Every few weeks, I'll pop up here and annoy Tim. And, of course, hosting AV Social here on avnation.tv. Oh, and P.S., I also am teaching at Infocom this year. One class on my own on effective communication for integrators and teams uh, looking to do better sales, do better internal communications, and in, and better follow-up with your customers. And then my boss and I are co-teaching a class on uh, customer experience and design choices and, um, you know, how to be a better integrator from the mouth of some end users. All right. Very cool. You, sh- you, you should definitely check out both of those, all, all three of those uh, classes. Uh, Christy, thank you so much. I'm very, very pleased to be- finally get you on this this show. I, I interviewed Christy during our, uh, our International Women's Month um, um, uh, month, but uh, I'm glad to get you on this. How do people connect with you or Surgex? So it's Christy Mitchell. I think that this pops up on the screen. You can also find me on LinkedIn, and I promise this week I'm going to join Twitter. All of you guys. Have don't told don't me do it. Twitter. Don't. Just don't. No, it's bad. <laughs> don't. This week is a bad week. Just don't do it. Just. Okay, so wait wait until next week? Wait another week, yes. I won't even ask why. I just, you know, it's just never been my thing because I'm a very verbose person, and I just, I just refuse to be limited. I just refuse to be limited. <laughs> Like That's why God oh, made oh. tweet threads, my honey. Yeah, you do, we'll you we'll teach you all yeah. about that. Yeah, oh, we'll see, teach you. Go ahead and sign up. We'll let you know. Since last time I was on it. Oh. <laughs> um, you can find me not there, but you can find me on LinkedIn. And also, I will be in balmy Orlando at Infocom. Please come over and visit the Surgex booth and uh, watch me blow things up because I know y'all know what the booth, uh, the Surgex booth does at Infocom. We pop MOVs all day. It's an exciting demonstration. So come visit me, say hello, and and I wish you folks well. I know that things are kind of crazy as we're getting back up and running. So I just you know want to take the opportunity to say Godspeed to everybody. And if you need anything, I'm holler. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, for me, uh, don't follow me on the Twitters. Um, I, I somewhat <laughs> joking. There, there was there was a little bit of of of, of unnecessary drama on, on Twitter this week, but it all got worked there out. There always and, is. There always is. Uh, but uh, yeah, don't follow me on the Twitters uh, because I'm either counting down the days until the the Bears start playing or the Blues. So that's about all I'm doing right now. Uh, but go by the website if you would, please, avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others, uh, including our buddy uh, Matt Scott's show, Resi Week, uh, as we all gear up for Cedia, which will be our very first uh, in-person uh, covering uh, trade show in over a year and a half. Yes, and, ma'am. And happy Canada Day. We're recording on Canada Day for yes. Matt Scott and all of our friends in the Great White North. Not for Matt Scott. Matt Scott's the world's worst Canadian. Well, we know Everybody that, else... but we can still wish him a happy Canada Day. <laughs> Do, do we? Ha- okay, I suppose we have to. All right, yeah. Happy Canada Day. Uh, by the time this comes out, uh, it will be the United States uh, celebrating um, either independence or, if you are an Englishman, um, uh, traitorous. Uh, so you entirely up to you how you want to celebrate traitorous that. Um, exactly. Um, but yeah, just check that out, please, um, and uh, check out Dawn's show, uh, AV Social. So that's really cool. Um, and yeah, that's it. Uh, check out our sponsors. These are folks who help us uh, financially help us bring you AV Week, Resi Week, and all the others. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.